Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. Today we're on episode 7 with me, Bob Chang, and Nick Davis, and we're excited to be here. We're very excited to be here. So last week on last week's episode, um, you know, I was loving it, having a great time, but honestly, I was kind of dogging it a little bit throughout the week because that was a week filled with many PT exams, many full projects. Um, just a busy, crazy, fun, exciting week in PT school. Um, this week is a little bit less busy. Which just means I have time to prepare for next week coming up. So it's always a battle, always a struggle, but the struggle is well worth it. Yeah, um, I think a few weeks ago you were talking about how you, one of the biggest like gremlins or biggest like things in your mind holding you back is the sense of being overwhelmed. Yeah. So how was that last week and how did you deal with that? It was good. Well, I mean, just what I talked about last week, kind of that mantra and the best thing about that was that mantra of you can't be overwhelmed if you focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. I didn't think about that ahead of time. I didn't plan that out. That just that came out of my mouth when I was on this podcast. So live that out even better. And you know what, Bob? Did it work? It worked. Life is great. Life is good. <laughs> That's and awesome. we're getting after it. Okay. Cool. D- did you feel like sometimes maybe like the, the voices in your head are like quieter now? Or are they still there? I don't know there? about that because... Well, no, they're 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 very quiet. Um, I've always had them pretty good under control. Okay. But there's always room for improvement. I see. Absolutely, always room for improvement. And you know, any time that you have your mind divided, it's not even that. So let's say you have two different things you're focusing on, and let's say for the given scenario, you're focusing on them equally. It's not that your brain is able to focus on two different things, fifty percent here. And 50%, 50% task A, 50% task B. That's not how the brain works. The brain takes mental energy and mental focus, neurons functioning, effort to actually divide those tasks. Mm-hmm. So you might be 40% focused on task A, 40% focused on task B, and 20% focused on how the heck do I divide these two things. Yeah. And so not only does it behoove you to focus 100% on something, but... You're just wasting your efficiency. You're just burning up fuel. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's absolutely freeing. And I think for a lot of people, I mean, that's one of the benefits for meditation for a lot of people. And Do you meditate? Infrequently. Okay. Um, I maintain a meditative attitude. And so, you know, when I'm walking around between classes and stuff like that, um, or when I, you know, pull on the campus early on my drive sometimes, it's... I might go through a frame of mindset that is meditative mm-hmm. in terms of taking in the world around me, um, you know, the very simple focusing on my, my breath, um, having a attitude of gratitude, an attitude of being very gracious for the life I've been given, for the opportunities I have ahead of me, and the opportunities I'll continue to create and take advantage of. Yeah. And that helps center me. And that helps bring it back. So is it, do I truly throughout the day take 15 minutes to just meditate? No, I don't. But I bring that mindset into the work that I do. Okay. So, so Bob, before we get onto this, I, I want to keep going, but got a quick confession to make. I forgot the check again. So the check is still in my safe. It is physically not here, but it is very metaphysically metaphorically here yeah it's here in spirit here in spirit all right so yeah let's keep on going with this but but just to recap for the check yeah basically every week i give 
Nick the check, and I'm telling him that I'm going to do something, and if I don't do that something that I said for the week, yep. he gets the cash in the check, and that check is $300. Yep. And um, this something isn't just like, hey, Nick, I want to learn how to do a backflip, but these are goals that Bob has that's going to make him a better person and going to make him a better entrepreneur and make him a better business person for the mission he has set forward for himself. Wow. I never thought of, I never thought of that, like putting labels on myself. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> How does it make you feel when you think about that? I mean, personally, I honestly I don't I don't feel that special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that each individual one of us we are all special. Yeah. Um, in fact, we're, we're very lucky to to be born, and, and it's important to be grateful to be born, like you said. Um, but yeah, but that's that's how I feel. Well, that's the kind of cool thing is because to a certain extent. We just go about living out our lives. And I don't mean that passively. I mean, we pursue our passions and we go after what we find and deem important. But it's rarely that we truly sit down and define, I am this, I am that. Mm-hmm. We rarely sit down and put those labels on ourselves. We just, we acknowledge who we are and we go after what we do when we do choose to go after it. But it's usually the labels that are put on us by the external, by another person. By a friend, yeah. By somebody else. That's where the labels are put on, as far as how other people see us. Mm-hmm. And it's a very delicate balance how much we buy into that or not. Huh? Yeah, because like when you called me like an entrepreneur, that's like something I I strive to be. Okay. Um, like I want to get there. Yeah. But like I personally feel like I'm not there, and I guess is that's also that inner critic of me saying that oh you're. You're not there yet. Um, but I, I personally feel like I also am there. Right. Like physically. Yeah. I think so. I mean, even though I'm not making thousands of dollars a month, mm-hmm. I'm still trying my best and doing entrepreneur tendencies um, that I guess would put, put me as technically an entrepreneur. You know, Bob, you touched on a dichotomy in life that for me is one of the most beautiful things. Okay. And for me, it's the dichotomy of saying these both these bold statements to yourself and your soul of, number one, I have arrived, meaning I am in the right place at the right time and I am living my life. And two, I am on a long journey. I got a long way to go. I'm hauling butt. I'm making things happen. And life is a continuous work in progress. So that sad, the deep satisfaction of I am arrived, I am me, I am the person that I was made out to be, and I'm doing this thing. Other than the goal, the ambition, the drive of, we got a ways ahead. Yeah. And for me, that's when a person can simultaneously feel both those things in their life in one moment in time, man, that's when you ride the momentum. Huh. Interesting. That's when you let that energy build for you and you just follow that because that will take you in the right place. Yeah. Huh. That's, I never thought of it like that. Um, until like you brought up that that label and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, it's nothing nothing bad, but right. Um, now I thought that was interesting. Um, a- another question that came up today that I wanted to ask you, Nick. Okay. Um, it's it's more about like physical therapy, and that's pretty much the field that we're both in. Love physical therapy. Um, yeah, we're both <clears throat> physical therapy students. But the question is, oh, I, I saw a poll on Facebook. Yep. And it was in the Facebook group. I forgot what what Facebook group, but basically. They asked, um, 
how many of you physical therapists would treat patients until you retired? And hmm. um, retired from PT, retired in general, or retired in general. Okay, so like done working, like so, treat patients till your last day. Treat patients till your last day, and the answers were, I thought were pretty weird. Okay, so like. It and was, this was who was surveyed, by the way? What what group? I think it was physical therapist students, yep. uh-huh. physical therapist, and just yeah, just physical therapists and physical so therapists. a wide range of age, ages for physical therapy. Yes. Okay. So gotcha. it's not just new grads. It's not just people that have been doing it for a while. But broad but picture. Okay. Yeah. So cool. there were. I mean, it was a small survey size. Right. It was like probably fifty people. Okay. In doing that poll. Yeah. It was a Facebook group. Okay. But there were like, I think sixty percent of the people said that they weren't going to treat patients for the rest of their life okay um 20 20 said that or 30 percent said that they they would treat patients yep actually sorry 30 percent said that weren't they weren't sure if they were going to treat okay. patients for the rest of their lives and then 10 percent said that they, they were interesting so so when you typically the typical route people think of for physical therapy is you know we're training ourselves to have the intellectual knowledge to back up what we do with our hands and mind to interact with patients to make them better to treat them. It's interesting how only 10% said, yeah, this is, I'm going to do that till I'm done. Yeah, but like, I mean, I I don't know. I, I was pretty confused when I first saw it. Yeah. But then I was reading the comments and people, and, and people made valid arguments. I thought people yeah. made valid arguments. And they, they said that um, when you go to a physical therapist, you never see a physical therapist that's treating you that's 55 years or older, usually. Okay. And, and also, that's because physical therapy is, is pretty physically demanding yeah. on the person. Um, it's absolutely a lifestyle. Yeah. So as, as you treat patients in a hospital, you have to, carry, you have to transfer patients and carry patients yeah. around. Um, and that gets strenuous. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was like, oh, my God, may, maybe that, that's, they're right. Um, because... And what I find weird is there are people in my class that are in $200,000 in debt yeah. in school to, to be a physical therapist. And then it here, adds up way too quick. Yep. And then they're here, there's like the majority of the people are saying that they wouldn't do this for the rest of their life until they retire. Yeah. And I find that that's so weird. There's a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, this huge upfront investment for I don't know long term or I don't know till the very long term. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts and see. What, yeah. What you said. No, I like that a lot, Bob. And in thinking about this, I'm reflecting on where I think my own journey may be going. And, you know, first of all, I don't want to pretend like I have, like, all this control over where I'm going. Like, I have these ambitions. I'll do what I can. But there are two main things within physical therapy, and this is boiling down big time, that appeal to me. One of them is helping patients and truly working on the healing art and the healing practice of the body and the mind working together through physical therapy. And, and I, I will always be a clinician in some way, shape, or form. The other thing is my potential role as a teacher. Um, when I think of being a teacher, that can take many forms for me, but it excites me. For me, it could be being at a university someday and teaching classes there. Um, I'd always want it to be somewhat lab-based because I have a lot of value in that and the, um, a lot of the hands-on approaches, especially bringing the, the true, not only the research of physical therapy, but the true art of physical therapy into practice for many young minds and many young hands and bodies. Um, but I could also see myself 
and I think this is where I'm most called, to be a hybrid of it somehow, of being a clinician, whether it's towards the end, whether it is part-time or full-time, but being part clinician, teaching continued education classes for physical therapists, whether I run my own continued education program or my own mentoring network or both of them, or I'm a formal teacher, um, professor in a university. But for me, it's the mentorship of other physical therapists as well as treating patients are huge for me. And so it, it poses an interesting question because my answer would be, yes, I would treat patients till I retire. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I want to keep doing this till I'm 75, mm-hmm. if not a little bit longer. Because, I mean, for me, we recently, for one of our classes, had this whole um, collaboration event with a bunch of different health, allied healthcare professions in there and stuff. And one of the reflection questions we had the next day about it was, did this event change the way you thought about PT? And my immediate just like snap of the finger reaction to that question was, no, PT is still the damnest, coolest thing ever in the world. And I love this stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And to get back to your specific question, I would say, yes, I would treat patients till the end because I am a clinician at heart. I love working with people. I love hearing their stories. I love helping them. But it's not as clear as just a yes or no. Because for me, it's very multifaceted. I think towards the end, I would be doing maybe part-time clinician work. But it would also be doing these continued education courses that I'm teaching for other physical therapists. It might be being a part-time faculty in a university and having many other roles within it. And I think that's part of the benefit and the beauty within physical therapy is the flexibility we can have. So I'm also curious in that 60% that answered no, how many of them in their back of their mind when they answered is, are they saying that for somewhat of a similar reason to I am, how it's in their mind is not a true yes or no, but they want more variation in their practice? I I think, I mean, I only scrolled through it for like a minute. Right, yeah. But, and I, I just thought that was interesting to ask you on this podcast episode. Absolutely. Um, but one, another comment that I read was that I said yes because it's it's the burnout. I, I've been treating for like, a year and like I'm, I'm burned out for mm. treating patients um and i obviously I, I i don't know right what the actual physical therapy clinician life is yeah where you're full-time working because because obviously I'm, I'm we still haven't lived student. that yet yeah, yeah yeah um we had a strong taste of it in our clinicals but we haven't fully lived that yet yeah and and i it just pose an interesting question you know yeah um, and i think it i don't want to say that this is the solution but a lot of it is interdependent on having really good self-knowledge of who you are and how you operate best and also being picky to get the kind of job that supports you best. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work really well with a large um, kind of drive for productivity and treating a lot of patients all the time, that may work really well for you. Or you may be someone that can only see two patients at once or you really just want to see one patient you focus on that one patient for half an hour or 45 minutes, then move to the next one. And so I think it, I think no matter where you go or what you do in life, you have to be around a very supportive community that not only externally supports you, but supports what you want out of life, too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I think that that's, that plays a large role in that burnout. 
So, Bob, what did, how would you answer that question, flipping it back on you? How would I answer it? Yeah. Um, I, would, I would be in the I don't know category or, like, it, okay. it depends category, yeah. like, like you. Um, because I know I'll be trading for a while, but then I personally would like to get into more of, of the business side yeah. and starting more clinics, gotcha. opening up more clinics, and then being, I guess, the quote-unquote entrepreneur yeah. rather than the person that's actually doing treating patients. Yeah, so more entrepreneur, a little bit less clinician. Yes. Um, more of spreading more PT in clinics throughout probably New York City. Nice. Um, that's, I guess, the end Again, goal. with you being from Queens and everything. Yes. Um, that's the end goal with opening up, I guess, a clinic with a gym together. Nice. And then opening up multiple practices. For the continuum of healthcare, not just... PT starts here, PT ends here, but how can we make you, whoever, patient, client, coming in, a healthier person? Yes. That will be the someday goal. All right. Um, and that, that's my answer to that question. Um, and I was asking to, I was asking one of my professors if PT school is actually worth it. Okay. Um, to Dr. Cherry. Yeah, and a his, very interesting way to phrase a question. Yeah, and, and his answer was that, if you could be able to have the entrepreneur mindset, so I don't know if you remember this, but I'll just explain to the people listening yeah, to the please, podcast. Go ahead. But um, in the book, there's a book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Yep. And he talks about how there's three kinds of mindset. Um, there's the entrepreneur mindset, there's the manager mindset, and there's the technician mindset. Yep. So a, a great example I like to use for this is that the entrepreneur is the one who's the visionary. The manager is the one who delegates and organizes the thoughts of the entrepreneur. Yep. And the technician is the person who do who does the things to get to where the entrepreneur wants to go. Um, so back to that example, it's, it's like a, a person who's a dog groomer, for example, and his name is Jerry. Okay. And he loves grooming dogs. Um, he works for PetSmart, and he just grooms dogs all day long, and he, and he loves it. Um, he, he's currently a technician, right? Technician. He does the job. Yes. Um, so his boss would always yell at him. Uh, he, he doesn't get enough time to cut the, cut the hair of the dogs. Yep. And he's always stressed out. So one day he decides that he can become an entrepreneur and he doesn't need to listen to his, his boss. Be his own boss. Yeah. So he decides to go out um, and open his own clinic. So initially his clinic, not a clinic, his own shop. Yep. Not but we're thinking clinic. PT too much, man. <laughs> uh, living the dream. Yeah, so he, he opens his own shop, um, and initially business is booming because he brings customers over. Um, he he grooms a lot of dogs at his own pace, but then business starts to decline, right? Okay. And that's because he's focusing most of his energy on being the technician. What he's always been trained to do. Whereas he's always been trained to do. So now he has two choices. Either he could work really hard. Well, there's three choices. He can work really hard, and the business will remain stagnant. Yep. He can give up, or and the business goes bankrupt. Or um, he switches to more of an entrepreneur, manager, and technician mindset. So a, a balance Combined of the three. Mindset. Yep, a balance of the three mindsets rather than just one focused mindset. And when it comes to being a physical therapist, not burning out, um, having that entrepreneur mindset of being able to guide a patient without just going through the motions of a technician. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. How would that, tell me more about how that would look like for you, what that would look like. So for, so 
this is what my professor told me. Mm-hmm. I guess that, like, a technician is basically somebody just who just gives somebody a list of exercises, and Ooh. they don't really um, get that buy-in with the patient or like get the get the trust with the patient and have a specific vision of where they want to go together. They just give them a list of exercises and just go through the motions, hoping that they'll get better. And right. they're just there to get the paycheck. It already sounds like a turn um, off when I hear it, but anyways, keep yeah. going. And then uh, the manager or, or the entrepreneur is the person who is able to work with the patient and find a specific vision and then work towards that vision. So the overall dream of the patient. The right. someday goal of the patient. The, the someday goal of the patient. And then the manager is there to check to ensure that there's progress going. So it's not gotcha. just the entrepreneur uh, the entrepreneur condition just dreaming that they're going to get to that goal. And they're not actually checking to make progress. So that's like the clinician version. And yep. Michael Gerber's is more of the business version. Gotcha. But those two interrelate. And, and again, how to solve that burnout, according to, to Dr. Cherry, who's mm-hmm. one of our professors, is to have that entrepreneur mindset with a patient. So working together with them, like, remember why you were in the field the, the first time, just to, to help patients. And if you have the ability to work together with a patient and be able to help them reach their someday goal, it will be much more fulfilling and much more le- less likely for you to reach burnout. Does that make sense? Completely agree. I mean, that's, that's what we're called to do as PTs. That's who we're meant to be, hopefully the direction that, our training is going in, but I think as you're alluding to a little bit, Bob, is that sometimes our training is very heavily technician, dabbles in the manager, and encourages but doesn't teach the entrepreneur in that we've got to develop that and understand that for ourselves and really say, this is, this is who I'm about. This is my understanding of who you are as a patient coming to see me. How can we understand each other better and work towards your goal? Hmm. You're right. That, I, I really like that part where you said our curriculum as the physical therapy curriculum encourages it, but doesn't really show us how to do it. Yeah. And I believe, I believe that's most schooling and education. They encourage. They teach the how. They, they teach, yeah, they teach the how, but not the why. Right. right. So it's interesting. And they, they talk about their own why a little bit mm-hmm. individually. But, and I don't know how much of that is necessarily ideal and how much of that is because we do have to find our own why. We have to find our own passion and reason that we do what we do. Okay. Because it's very different for all of us. Okay. Yeah, that, I thought that was pretty interesting about um, physical therapy in general. Yeah, I like that. So, Bob, speaking of why and how, I want to share a little bit about, um, for me, why I do what I do, and then how I keep myself going when things don't go well. Okay. So, for me, I can't remember if I've talked about this on this podcast or not. I think I have. The word ikigai. I believe I have originally, but if not... Here it is, and if I have, use a refresher. Ikigai is a Japanese word. It means your reason for being. It also means the reason for which you wake up every morning. It's your life mission, your life purpose. 
This can be a mission statement, just how businesses have a mission statement. We should all have a mission statement. It can be something that continuously evolves, but something that holds us and reminds us of why we do what we do. And for me, my working mission statement, my ikigai, is to heal bodies and get to know their souls. Oh, interesting. That's me. And that's what I'm currently going after right now. Now, that's my why. And that why is a very powerful reason. It can get me out of a slump. It can say, Nick, that why is far greater than this momentary fatigue you're feeling right now. It's far greater than this desire for a little bit more luxury or comfort right now. It keeps me going. But then you ask, how do I keep myself there? So I'm pulling up a Google document now that I have. And right here, show it. It's called Ikigai. And it is a 15-page document that what I do is when I have a, a mindset, something that I want to hold on to, something that I want to keep or quote I hear that I really like that says, this is part of who I am. This is part of what I want to remember. I write it down. And this can be a random thought I have in my mind in the middle of a workout where I'm like, yeah, this is the stuff I want to keep. Or it can be in a moment when I'm struggling, I'm saying, no, this is what I need to remind myself of. Or I can hear it on some motivational talk or hear this quote from a friend. And I say, nope, I'm writing this down because I will need it later. And so I've got 15 pages to scroll through when I'm not feeling on my prime. And let me tell you, it doesn't even take a full page to get me back fired up about life and back on track. Because it not only reminds me of who I'm meant to be and what I'm called to do and setting the intentional effort in my past out to do this, but it also reminds me of the 10,000 other times I have failed temporarily and brought myself back up again. So it's a constant re-reminder for myself. So I'll just read a couple of these here. So one of them that I like is get the butterflies moving in one direction. Everybody talks about how they're nervous. They've got, and this is me ad-libbing what it means. But everybody talks about how they're nervous. They're freaking out. You know, you've got this big event, big performance, whatever it is going on. And you feel these butterflies in your stomach. You're nervous. You don't know what to do. All you got to do, you got butterflies in you, man. Get those butterflies flying all in one direction, in the right way. Harness that energy. You're pumped up for a reason. The butterflies flying around you mean you don't know what to do with it. Make those butterflies fly in one direction. Another one, and again, I've got hundreds of these, but you can't always win, but don't be afraid to be decisive. And it's important to make decisions in life and not linger around in this limbo of, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm about. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to make a decision, an informed decision based on who you think you are in this moment. And you're either going to find out I am more like this or I'm not like this. Often we have to figure out who we're not before we figure out who we are. And we get paralyzed by perfection too much. We get paralyzed by having to seek the utmost truth and getting everything just right away. So again, I'm just flipping through these pages back and forth and seeing 
fun things in here. Um, put one in here. Define unstoppable. And that's all I wrote. Because when I think in my mind, define unstoppable, I start thinking of what unstoppable means. Uh, then I start feeling unstoppable. Huh. Interesting. So again, these are just... Another one here. Invite failure as a teacher. Use your failures to learn from. So just as we give our patients these verbal cues, these tactile cues, help them introduce themselves to better motor learning, better motor planning, better understanding of their own situation. These are my own cues that I keep reminding myself of. Wow. One, one more fun one I like for, you know, another hard time. Your dream is not dead. It's just not in season. Huh. Interesting. Summer is blooming. Fall comes. Winter's there. It's not dead. Just not in season yet, waiting for spring to happen. Oh, wow. You know, which one was my favorite? I really liked Define Unstoppable. Yeah. It's very vague. Absolutely. And it allows you to really think. And the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that was me. Right? Damn right. That was, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Um, but one thing that I really wanted to ask you yeah. is I, I talk about this a lot to, on my Instagram and on my social media is finding your why. Yeah. How did you find your why? That's a fantastic question, Bob. And that's, it's, found the words for it. Yeah, and I don't want to put you on the spot yeah, or anything. No, but please, this is all about putting each other on the spot. This is why I'm your accountability partner. If you weren't on the spot, you wouldn't be doing as much as you're doing. You're right. And this is, this podcast is all ad-lib too, so. Absolutely. <laughs> you can come up with this stuff if we planned it. Uh, how did I come up with my why? Part of it was actually, and now as I continue to understand myself more throughout late high school going into college, and even before that, I was doing a lot of finding out who I'm not, who, of who I wasn't. I was ha dabbling in a lot of experiences and a lot of situations that were important lessons of, nah, that's not you. This isn't what you're about. And there would be a ton of moments in between there of getting fired up and excited for life and going after things. But more often it would be, no, here's one more piece of information that this isn't you. And I steer another direction. Early on in college, I can't remember if it was my freshman year or sophomore year, whatever it was. Um, but I was on, on campus, on the campus church in Mass. And the priest was talking about in his homily about... What's your mission statement? What is your personal mission statement? And it was just around this time, actually, it was a couple months before that, when I heard about the word ikigai. Mm. I heard about it from, if you guys haven't read it or heard about it, um, there's this book about blue zones. And it's also a TED Talk, I believe, and I'm sure they've got tons of different information on it now. But blue zones are basically these places around the world where people live both for an extraordinary length of time and with extraordinary quality of life. And one of these places was in Japan. I believe, I can't tell you which island it was. 
I want to say Okinawa, but I can't remember for sure. But they had the, this is where that Japanese word came from, from this area, and it was Ikigai. Everybody, they had a word in their vocabulary for your life mission, your life purpose. You know, it's hello, goodbye, Ikigai. It's just, that is a common piece of language. It wasn't, hey, how are you today? Oh, good, mediocre, I'm here. No, it's, man, how is your Ikigai? What is going on with your life mission? And it's that constant checking with the soul of where are you at in your life? And what's going on? And it not, it's not only great because it kept the elders in the community still involved about what is my purpose. We don't have this neglect of older people. But you know how fast children learn. I mean, they latch on to things. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, for them to have a direct word of, I mean, the, imagine, the imagination of children coupled with, what is my life purpose? Define unstoppable. Right there. Yeah. And for me, so I was starting to ponder that a little bit at that same time. And so the combination of those two things really kind of spurred a spark in me to say, okay, I'm spending some time with this. I'm spending some time thinking about what's my reason. And so, you know, being a, either a freshman or sophomore in a undergraduate program leading into physical therapy, knowing I was committed to physical therapy for the reason of helping people heal, but also deeply valuing the spiritual experience and people's stories and learning from my patients too, just as I teach them. Um, that's where it evolved over time. Okay. So that's how I started to develop my why. Okay. So Great question, by the way. Just for me to reiterate. Yeah, please. Um, but basically, there was this, there, it was not, not necessarily one moment of experience, but yeah. there was just this moment of, of learning for you. Yeah. And then that really helped you dig deeper into who you were. And then over time, that compounded, and that brought together your mission statement. Yes, it was a, a few moments of external prompting for what I believe were subconscious thoughts already going on throughout me and the starting of conscious thoughts but an external prompting to bring that into reality. And from there, it wasn't only bringing in what's my why, but the, the process of even deeper than I already was, continuous reflection. <coughs> okay. Interesting. Um, what I talk about on how... So my big thesis on, on losing weight yeah. is that people should first find their why... And how I tell people to find their why is by asking themselves why they want to reach their goal five times. Five and then times. So ask, ask them five times. Ask them five. Yeah. Like five why. So why do you want to lose weight? Because yeah. um, I want to be healthy. Why do you want to be healthy? Because um, mm. I want to play with my kids. Why do you want to play with your kids? So I know they can love me and uh, I can see them grow up and have a good childhood. Why do you want to see that? Um, because I want to be respected as a dad. And then that could be that why. So just I'm getting aware. at the heart of the mission, not the superficial layers. Just yes. like Donkey and Shrek. Gotta peel back those onions. Exactly. And then when you ask each why, you're, you're peeling back an onion until you get to the center. Exactly. And that, that why, that centerpiece, is what truly matters. And that's a... I love the simplicity in your direction for that. Because that's applicable. People can understand that. People can understand, step one, do this. Get your answer. Step two, do that. 
and you're breaking down those barriers of this was the intention deep in their heart that they were trying to fulfill. But if you were trying to fulfill something in the wrong place, you're not getting fulfillment. And so not only are you inspiring them to outside layer of the onion, lose the weight, get healthier, but you're also inspiring them at the same time of fulfilling the purpose of whatever that mission is, whether it's being seen as a better dad. Yeah. So they'll go after that and always in their life. And so when they find success from what you're helping them with, they will also see, hey, I did this. Or, hey, I'm making progress to it. Who's to say I can't try it in some other ways too? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so you, you may be helping people far more than you realize by showing them hope in a path towards their someday goal that they haven't even put towards yet. Yeah. Well, like, the issue with that, though, is that nobody actually sits down and takes the time to really think about it. Until they have some kind of external prompt. Exactly. And that external prompt for many people is often some huge major life event that gets them down the dumps and they have no choice but to do that. Yeah. But thankfully, you're there to help a lot of people out so they don't have to have those moments. Wow. You're right, dude. Oh, my God. You're right. Define but unstoppable. Define unstoppable. But going back to that idea of people not really doing the things they should be doing, if, yeah. unless there's, like, a really external, big external cue. Yeah. Um, 98% of the people that are listening, or 99% of people are listening, don't do anything for any podcast. Okay. Even if they get the biggest information, the biggest... Like everything, right? Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, all of us should be millionaires because there's all the information out there on Google, right? Right. Um, if you wanted to build a rocket ship, you could build a rocket ship, right? Everybody could build missiles if they wanted to. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. But, like, nobody does it because, one, it's free. One, it's out there for everybody. Um, right, two, so it's so accessible. We almost – it's so obvious we don't do it in a way. Yes. And, two, they don't have their why. Right. Mm, yeah. If if they had their why, they would take all the free information and and do it. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's where where my perspective is with that. I like it, and that's that's a very applicable, approachable way. Where. Now you you talked about how it takes, what was it like? I'm gonna use a weird word, encounters, because I don't remember your word, but like seven encounters, seven different contacts. Yep of people to have like buy-in or show major interest yeah you gotta get rejected seven times yeah. like you gotta get like told no seven to eight times yeah. before they actually can say a maybe or a yes right well um, that's the cool thing is that you know oftentimes we just throw that statistic out there and leave it at that say yeah. okay seven times till rejected every step along the way they're building up and so even in step two three four five six you may still be helping them. Yeah. They may still be going through that behavioral change process of helping themselves more, but just not bought into your prescription quite yet. But they're still, you still enable them. You still gave them that impetus, the catalyst to seek out their why. Huh. Wow. I never thought of it like that. Interesting. Because there, for, there, for there to be something at number seven, there has to be some kind of culminating yeah. event there has to be some kind of build up for that to get there for it to get anywhere there has to be some kind of build up 
And so you're building them up. And you're teaching them how to build themselves up too. Wow. I like that. I, I never thought of it. I thought, so my perspective going yeah. into it was every time you get rejected, you get punched in the face and you're training that punched in the face muscle. Yeah. So next time when you're on the 53rd person and you're getting rejected for the 103rd time, right. um, you're still getting back up because you train that punched in the face muscle, right? Yeah. And you can argue that that's the most important muscle to train for anything. Yep. Um, but I never thought of it as approaching it as maybe every time you get rejected, you're still transferring a sliver of your message over to the other person and they're still receiving it and that they, they still might be impacted from it. Right. Right. Yeah. And so. it's not, it's not this ultimatum of purely yes, purely no, but you're, you're guiding them in the right direction. Wow. That, I guess that creates a, a whole new like sense of purpose. Absolutely. What's me doing it? So interesting. That's good. Well, Bob, do you want to talk a little bit about what your goals for, um, for this week were, was and how you did accomplishing those? Yeah, so my goals uh, that I set last week, on, I, I don't know when we did our podcast yeah, episode. It was last week, yep. Uh, last week. It was pretty much that I was going to do a Facebook Live for seven days. Was that it? Yep, for every day in between now and then. And Facebook if I, Live. And I also said to Nick that I was going to shave my head bald if yeah. I did not uh, post into a group every day for 90 days for an hour yep. um, and post twice a day on social media. That's some motivation right there. <laughs> All right. Um, so I did, the, I did a Facebook Live. Nice. Every day? Every day, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, but on the first Facebook Live I did, I announced that I was going to shave my head if I... If I um, did the groups yep. for an hour and posted twice a day. How was that received? Well, but I also said that I was going to do a Facebook Live video <laughs> for 90 days straight, too. <laughs> so so I, guess what you're doing. Guess that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're accountable to me. If you're accountable to everybody on Facebook, oh, man. So that came out. I, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on saying that, <laughs> but it just came but out. You're just so excited. Yeah, but now I am doing it. I, I have the ability to do it. Yep. Um, I love it. So that's what's going to happen for the next 90 days unless I mess up and become bald yep. um, and lose $300. Yep. But that's been going well. Good. So far, uh, I did six. Yep. Since the last one, I still need to do one more. Seven, number seven, day number seven, video number seven. Yep. For today, tonight, after tonight. Um, but pretty much what I've been doing is that since it's been a pretty busy week for me. Yeah. There's tests. Um as a student, there's tests and stuff you need to study for. I've been doing my Facebook Lives at 11.30 p.m. every yeah. night. Um, <laughs> like what you said is when you will do it in the time you give it yourself. Yeah. And, and what was surprising to me yesterday, I, I did a Facebook Live for 15 minutes. Yep. Just me talking for 15 minutes. Yep. And I don't know if you remember initially when I was going into this, I had this limiting mindset of, oh, what if I can't have a congruent dot for five minutes? Yep. And there I was talking for 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. And, and it I just felt, happened. Yeah, it just, it just happened. So um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but in the book, The Confidence Gap, yep. um, the only way to have confidence is by doing the action first, and then you'll receive confidence. It's not the other way around. Yeah. You'll never get confidence first without taking action. You're going to always get 
you will only get confidence after you take action. So you start out the first time by getting the butterflies moving in the right direction. Yeah. And the confidence will follow. Wow. That's, that, that, that's been a crazy week. Um, as for results, yep. I don't know if there's results. I mean, okay. I, I have been helping people, but yeah. there's no like financial tangible results, results yep, yeah. or tangible results. Um, but I know I have been helping people and yeah. every time somebody says, thank you, this, this, I needed to read this and this made my night and I'm going to start tomorrow or I'm going to start this. That's awesome. It made me feel amazing. That's great. And I feel like it didn't matter if I didn't receive any tangibles or anything, yeah. but that those three comments that I received in the past seven days were entirely worth it. Well, um, they talk about in, um, you know, any kind of like health studies school and stuff like that, that there is research karma. That, you know, you, you sign up for other people's research that they're doing conducting studies as a subject. Okay. And that will pay off when you do your research stu- study later. You'll get more people to pers- participate, more people to sign up. So who knows if they're just making that up because they need people in their study. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Which could be true. But there is a certain factor about, you know, you're paying it forward. You're, key- you're putting your name on that. And you still are living out your mission whether you're truly being compensated for it at this moment or not. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a big believer in, now again, you do need monies. You need dollars and cents. You need to understand what's going on with that. And you need to live somehow. But I'm a big believer that ultimately, pursue your passion and the money will follow. Yeah. You will be compensated, compensated for it. You keep doing the right thing. You keep helping out people. The money will follow. Yeah. I, I just find that amazing that... Um, the ability to, to feel something so amazing yeah. when you do your passion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, it's that greater sense of fulfillment. Yeah. And and just to go ahead and not make this podcast too long yeah. to talk about what I'm going to do next week. So next I'm going to hand yeah. Nick back the check that he handed to me. Yep. And now um, it's, it's all set. It's metaphorically back to me and physically in my safe. Yep. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what to do. Um... Personally, with the webinars, I've been doing them. Yep. Um, but I have been scared to do, like, actually put money into ads or actually yeah. take the leap and, and buy more ads. Um, right, because it's challenging because you haven't seen the results yet. Yeah, and, and you're losing money right. per day. Right. So, um, very fair. I, but I want to do it. With the Facebook ads. So tell I, me more about why. Um, and what's, what's the reason behind that? What's the mission? Well, the, the end-all, be-all mission is to generate traffic yep. for people, to generate people to come in and yep. watch the webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I need to take a different approach. Okay. Um, whereas, instead of bringing people directly to my webinar, maybe I'll try and have people go to a page where they register for a free report. Or free like mm, seven okay. day habit um, checklist or something like that. Which is something that you've created already and everything. Yeah, and then develop it, and then eventually push them into the webinar. Okay, so again, like taking the approach you are right now, where you are seeing results in helping people, and their thanks for that. Yeah. If you can help them directly, uh, then give them, provide them the opportunity, almost like a job interview for you. Yeah. In them seeing really what you're about. Yeah, I yeah you could say that. 
um, get the get the buy in before they yeah. actually do watch the webinar. Right, get the buy. Yeah. <clears throat> so but, you're not you don't have to convince them as much during the rep webinar. It's a little bit of that. Yeah, but I don't know what what to do like specifically for by next week. Okay. What 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 do you think, Nick? What I'm curious about is it sounding like you're on the edge of maybe revamping your revamping your approach. Okay. Revamping. Oh, I I I think I got it. Yeah. I'm gonna you got have. It? Okay. Let's hear it. Everything set up. Yep. All my new pages set up. All the 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 material that I'm gonna send out for free. All the pages. Yep. All the corrections on. On it all. Yep. I'm going to have it finished and set up and the ads yep. by Sunday. And then I'm going to release it Sunday. Then you're going to release it Sunday. I like it. Yeah. Sounds That's great, it. Bob. And uh, what do you think? I like that. You like it's, it? it's a tangible action plan mm-hmm. with a concrete deadline. And it's you're creating this content not just to say, okay, got to meet a deadline. But you want to get results. So you're going to be motivated to bring quality. Yeah. Well, I, I have been uh, posting content for a while. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to take some of the best posts that I feel like were great and then compile them into a document. Bob Chang's top ten. Yep, that's it. Um, and I, I feel like that will be great. Nice. But I think that's it for today's Manifest Mindset, unless you have anything else you want to add, Nick. No, I've, uh, I've blabbered. I've gone on my tangents. I think I'm quite satisfied, and I've gone after my life fulfillment, and we'll keep going after it. That's it. Unstoppable. Or define define unstoppable. Define unstoppable. That's it. All All right. right. Thank you for joining us at Manifest Mindset.